0: Well, a very happy new year to you, 2023. As you look into 2023, as you look into the future, what's on your mind? Are you worried? Are you worried about your health? What if that pain is serious? Are you anxious about money? Will we have enough in 2023? Are you fretting over the state of the nation? I mean the world's gone mad. Are you fearful for your children? You long for them to be saved. What if they go further away from the Lord? Are you concerned about what others think? So you're someone who finds it very hard to say no. Do you feel that life has been robbed of life? Will there be things in 2023 that are beyond your control. There'll be worst-case scenarios with no way out. Christian friends, worry, anxiety, the fear of what might be. So at the start of 2023, the Lord Jesus Christ says to you, Matthew 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? says, Jesus, don't let the servants, life's necessities, become the masters. Don't let the necessities of life become your life. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? So please have the reading which we had open in front of you, Matthew chapter 6. And we have five things to say, five points. Point number one, therefore. It says Jesus, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Therefore. Now, the immediate context uh, is, if you just read the few verses before, don't be preoccupied with money. Don't be preoccupied with what money can buy. Don't be pursuing a false security By more getting of of money that's why jesus says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one verse 24 and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money therefore i tell you so that's the immediate context don't worry about money issues don't pursue money etc 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 but there's a bigger dimension to the therefore this is the sermon on the mount And the king is seated upon the mountain. So chapter 5, verse 2, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And when he says that, the kingdom of heaven, it is an electrifying moment. Now, what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's where God reigns. It's where God's will is done. And the Jews were longing for the day when God's heavenly reign would break in upon this ruined world, when his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what would that look like? Well, as the Jews looked at that kaleidoscope of images in the Old Testament, it would mean the punishment of the wicked, a renewed, restored Israel expanded to embrace the nations, who would come and worship Israel's king. It would mean the end of death and sorrow and the curse and a new age of joy and peace and blessing. In fact, it would mean a new heavens and a new earth. And best of all, God with us. Our God reigns. It would be the long-awaited salvation. And how did the Jews expect the kingdom to come? Well, if you forgive me, they thought the coming would be crash, bang, wallop. The coming of the kingdom would be something that was sudden, dramatic, cosmic, explosive. It would mean the end of the old age and the start of the new age. But of course, that's not how the kingdom comes. Because the king is already here. And he's already announcing the kingdom. And people can see things happening which they've never seen before. People are healed. The demons are cast out. Even the dead are raised. What's going on? What's happening? The king is taking charge. The reign of God is breaking in. God's intervention is already here. That's why it is an electrifying moment. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You can enter the kingdom now. Jesus saying the wait is over. The long for day is already here. God's sovereign and saving rule has already begun. The new creation, God's wonderful love, is already breaking in. But the new age begins before the old age has passed away. And for a time, and we're still living in that time, the two ages overlap. Because the kingdom of God comes progressively. It's not sudden cosmic explosive, now, end of the old age, beginning of the new age. It comes progressively. It's an invasion. It's an invasion from heaven to earth. The invasion has begun. The kingdom's been inaugurated. It's begun, but it's not yet been consummated. It's what theologians call the already but not yet. All right? So, what's all this got to do with worry? Well, because as lovers and followers of the King, we are to live in this world by the realities of the world to come, the world that has already arrived. We're to live on earth by the values of heaven, by the values of the kingdom. This world is upside down. We are to live the right way up. This world's priorities are facing the wrong way. So says Jesus, make sure that your priorities are facing the right way. So says Jesus... I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's saying, stop standing on your head. Stand upright. Stop facing the wrong way with everybody else fretting, worrying about all those things. Start facing the right way, not with the preoccupations and the obsessions of this present evil age this passing age your responsibility is to seek first the kingdom of God to live as children of the king therefore I tell you do not be anxious so point number two look now verse 25 Jesus states it Don't be anxious. But then he illustrates the point. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now the very illustration tells you something about Jesus. People who worry are too preoccupied ...to stand and stare. They haven't got time to stand looking at the birds. But Jesus wasn't a warrior, So he stopped. In his busy, punishing schedule, he stopped. He looked up. He watched the birds. As they wheeled and banked and... ...circled, being carried on the warm thermals. As he looked, he saw them. They were quite literally as, as free as a bird apparently without a care in the world. If you watch the birds, sometimes they just seem to enjoy on the thermal circling round. So they love being there. I'm sure they do. That's why they've been made. They don't have any plans, do they? They don't sow. They don't reap. They haven't built any barns. But do they go hungry? No. Well, why don't they go hungry? Because, as Jesus, your heavenly Father feeds them. He made them, so he feels a responsibility for them, so he cares for them. So says Jesus, if your heavenly Father feeds the birds, verse 26, are you not of more value than they? Is that a question that needs an answer? Stating the obvious, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, you're the blood-brought children of God. He saved you at infinite cost to himself. Does he, has he done all of that only then to let you starve? So stop worrying. Look, verse 28, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Jesus wasn't a worrier. He made time just to look. And gaze at the lilies of the field. The word lilies covers all sorts of um, flowers. This is all general word: um, autumn crocus, anemones, gladioli. So there's a meadow filled with with its fragile beauty. This this glorious, vibrant burst of colour. And so she's a Solomon, Solomon with all his money. Anything money could buy, he could buy it. With all his designers and his dressers and his wardrobe of, of fine and wonderful clothes, the finest of the finest. Even Solomon wasn't a patch on the glory of a meadow in full bloom. And yet these flowers, with one sweep of the scythe, are gone. Well, who gave the flowers their clothing? God did. Verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Again, it's a question that he asks, will he not much more? It doesn't need an answer, does it, really? It's obvious. Look. Brothers and sisters, are you here today and gone tomorrow? Are you like the flowers of the field? No, you're a child of God. (laughs) You're loved with an everlasting love. God has crowned you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And what he's doing? He's leading you home. Will he do all of that only then to deny you the necessities for life? So stop worrying, says Jesus. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Okay, so Jesus, worry changes nothing. it doesn't help, but I think Jesus is saying more than that. Who gave you your life? Who chose for you the length of your days? Who made me a male, five foot ten, with slate blue eyes? God did. So none of these things are in my control. none of these things are in my hands. so why? Fret about them. I can't change them. They are as they are. My life is in safer, wiser, greater hands than mine. And they're not just greater hands than mine. They're nail-pierced hands. They're the nail-pierced hands of the one who loves me, who cherishes me, who understands me with the apple of his eye. So why am I fretting about things that I can't change? When God chose those things for me, says Jesus, stop worrying. If Prince Harry was a child of God, he would never have written spare. So, brothers and sisters, stop rushing about. Preoccupy with the things which are already in hand. Slow down. Says Jesus, look, look, open your eyes. Don't walk around with your head down, filled with all the worries that you've got. Stop. Look. Look. Now, of course, we, we have to plan and provide and work hard. This is not a sort of slacker's manifesto to sit around doing nothing. It's not what it's saying at all, is it? But the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, the things that I can't change, they're all saying something to me to soothe My anxious cares. And I need also to rebuke me. To say to me, look, look at the things around you. Look at the way you've been put together. Stop worrying. Someone is in control. Who's in control? Your Heavenly Father. So, point number three Father knows. So, brothers and sisters, what's at the heart of our anxious cares? Why is it I can read verse 25 and Jesus says, Don't be anxious, etc., etc., and it doesn't make a scrap of difference? It comes down, says Jesus, to trust. Verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Little faith. Little faith in who? Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Those who don't know God seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So the heart of our worry, says Jesus, is a reluctance to trust our heavenly Father. That's where it comes from. As though the future's out of his control. As though he doesn't care about me. It's a reluctance to trust our Heavenly Father. So, brothers and sisters, your Heavenly Father, do you ever think how, about how great he is? How big is the universe? Well, if you could travel at the speed of light, I think it's 186,000 miles a second, you'd pass the moon in two seconds, take you four light years, to reach the nearest star. It'd take 100,000, I can't get over these figures, 100,000 years to cross the galaxy, our galaxy. Another 20 million light years to reach the next galaxy. And I think there are possibly 100 to 200 billion galaxies. (laughs) The universe is big, isn't it? But God breathed it into existence. He simply spoke and it was made. It was done. He sustains it by the word of His power. Isaiah says He measures the heavens with a span. So God could put the universe in His pocket, and everything that happens in this universe, from the farthest star to the tiniest subatomic particle, is all according, says Ephesians chapter one verse eleven, is all according to His will and plan. So God really is God. And this God is my Father. He's my Father. And your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. So why then should I be afraid of what the future holds when that future is in His hands? Why should I be anxious about wages and bills and doctors and pills, as though those things are too big for God. Is anything too hard for him? Is anything out of his control? Is anything too big for God? Is there anything that God cannot solve? So Jesus turned the world the right way up. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Do you ever think about how good your heavenly Father is? He's actively good to us every day. He holds my breath in his hands. He won't let you down. And people who worry live dreary lives. Why? Because they're always preoccupied with the little things. That's all they talk about. It's what Jesus says, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after those, these things. It's all their lives are, worry, 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 preoccupied with the little things. But life is so much more. I mean, we have it, don't we? Look at the birds, look at the, the field, look at, look at, look, open your eyes, life is so much more than the worries, the petty small things that we're preoccupied with well that God has made. 1 Timothy 6, uh, Paul says, uh, he richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy the things that he's made. And then you move on to the loveliness of Christ and the wonders of the cross. And to run with Peter and John to the empty tomb and to The world has turned the corner. Resurrection. Things are different. The kingdom has come, is coming, will come. And God's put me in a family, the family of the church, where I'm to love and to be loved. And there's good news to proclaim. And in this world, there is fun and laughter and joy, even among the tears. And the consummation of the kingdom, God's new world, Glory beckoning. Paul writes to the Romans, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. If we worry, say, I haven't got I haven't got time for that. (laughs) I haven't got time to be filled with all joy and peace. I've got too many things to think about. But God's word says to you God wants you to be filled with all joy and peace. And to abound in hope, not that kind of vague, maybe it's, it'll be all right in the end, but a confident expectation that everything is in God's hands and He's working everything for your good and His glory. He wants you to abound in those things. Our life is filled with worries, how boring and dreary our life is. because We're preoccupied with them and we're not trusting the God who is good. So let's turn the world the right way up because your heavenly father knows what you need. Do you ever think about how gracious and loving your heavenly father is? Christian friend, who ran to meet you when you were returning from the far country? Who threw his arms around you, hugged you, kissed you and forgave you even before you got to the end of your prayer? Who welcomed you home, not as a servant, but as his child. And he killed the fatted calf, and he led the singing and the dancing, with no account of the extravagance, because you were lost, but you were now found. You were dead, but you were alive. He welcomed you home. And that was just the start. That was just the beginning. Amazing grace. Did he give his son to the cross? Did he at infinite cost redeem you from sin and death and hell, only then to be an absent father, a forgetful father, a neglectful father, a severe father, a father who would abandon you, leaving half the work undone? It's unthinkable, isn't it? He says, Jesus, O oh, you of little faith... Christian friends, Father knows what you need. What has he not done for you? He's done all that love could do. How cherished we are. So, says Jesus, trust him. Trust him for the Gentiles seek after all these things because they live in a world that's upside down and they're upside down too. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And Jesus knows what he's talking about. Fully God, fully man, fully man in the wilderness. Think of the wilderness, 40 days hungry. What does Satan say to him? Oh, you can't trust your heavenly father. 40 days hungry. How has he let it get to this situation? You can't trust him. You need to take things into your own hands. You need to take control. That's what worries about, isn't it? Taking control. Turn these stones into bread. Says Jesus, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's more to life than bread. Well says Satan. The God who supplies your daily bread, he's then you got forty days hungry. Daily bread, forty days. There's a mismatch there, isn't there? Can you really trust him? Where has he been for the last 40 days? Don't you need some proof that he's still with you? So throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and the angels will catch you. Manipulate the situation that's what worry does to us we manipulate others we manipulate situations we manipulate them with our words and with our actions and with our silences so we get others to do what we want them to do to make us feel more secure if you're manipulating you're a worrier so it says satan manipulate the situation manipulate god says jesus no no Again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan comes back, okay, you're going to do his will, are you? Well, you think of what lies ahead. You go down that road of doing his will, it leads to heartache, sorrow, pain, death. So think again, there are other choices you know. You really going to say God at his word and put everything on the line for him, I can show you a shortcut to glory. You can do it now. Just, just, just bend that knee slightly. Worship me. Says Jesus, no. Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him. Only you shall serve. Only one person to please. And again, worries remind us that often it's about self pleasing. I want to bend the universe around me so it suits me. Jesus the man trusted his heavenly father. What word occurs most in the Sermon on the Mount? It came as a surprise to me. It's the word Father. The Sermon on the Mount keeps talking about Father, Father, Father. And Jesus says, Don't be suspicious of your heavenly father. Trust him as I trust him. And if we don't know what that looks like, well, we copy our elder brother. There's Jesus trusting the father. Just do what he does. Trust him. And I'll listen to what the father says. The Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Father knows. So here's a family, they're setting off on holiday, and dad is strapping into the car seat his three year old boy. And this little lad has got a very worried look on his face. He says, Dad, what if we break down? What if on the journey we run out of food? What if we get lost? Dad, what if there is no such place as Cornwall? Now, what's Dad going to say? <laughs> well, they going say, "Don't worry, the car's been serviced, and we're with the AA, and uh, we've got sandwiches." With well, a bit, bit more of a generous father, he might say, "We'll stop off somewhere nice on the way." And uh, I know the way. <laughs> I've been to Cornwall before. What's Dad say? He say, "Do you know, son? You got you got a point there." Yeah, I don't know. Now you've made me worry about it. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. Dad says, leave it with me. Leave it with me. Little three-year-old boy worrying. Leave it with me is the point made. In this world, we're never more than toddlers. And our Heavenly Father keeps finding us with worried looks on our faces saying, but what about this and what about this and what about this? And our Heavenly Father says, look, it's all in hand. I know what we need to get us safely to our destination. So trust me. Moving on more quickly, number four. A rule of thumb. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's why it's on the text card. But seek first the kingdom of God, and I just put dot dot dot, so you can remember the rest of the verse. Okay, it's a good thing to have for for 2023, a rule of thumb. Now, when I was a teacher, I ran a, a year seven uh, cricket team, and uh, when the lads went into bat, lots of things to think about. So, we had some simple rules: when you go in, take guard. Um, if the ball's on the stumps, defend. If it's a, a full, You don't know what I'm talking about, I'll talk about it later. If it's a full board, ball, go forward to it. If it's a short ball, go back to it. And when you call for a run, keep it simple. Yes, no, wait. Just simple rules of thumb, so that when they went into bat, they wouldn't be over, overawed by the moment, they would know what to do. So says Jesus, in this confusing upside-down world, let's keep it simple. A rule of thumb. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says there's just one priority, one preoccupation, the kingship of Christ and the life that goes with that. Focus on that, and God will throw in everything else. Here's a bed. If worry is lying on the bed, there's no room for the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God is lying on the bed, there's no room for worry. Worries and the kingdom of God can't occupy the same space. It just can't. So if you're seeking first the kingdom of God, there's no room for worries. And Anyway, God throws in everything else that you need. If you're filled with worries, that's your preoccupation. There's no room for the kingdom of God. So seek first. That's your priority, says Jesus. That's a rule of thumb. It means that we keep the King's Day, doesn't it? The Lord's Day. Because it's the day He says it's specially His. It's the day when heaven really does meet with earth. And if I can, come twice. If I can't, well, I can uh, go online. Because if I get twice the word, that's twice the kingdom, isn't it? And only half the worries. And the prayer meeting, again, the prayer meeting is where heaven and earth meet. It's where in the middle of the week, God stands things upright. He stands us upright, because I've been in this world for three days, and by the time I get to Wednesday, I'm upside down again. So he puts me the right way up. What do we pray at the prayer meeting? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's there we turn our anxious fears into earnest prayers. And the worries that would sink us, he takes on his shoulders. And in exchange, he gives us his peace. So Paul writes, Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's talking to a church, not just to individuals. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anxious fears, well, tell God what you want. Turn it into prayers, into petitions. You hand over your worries to him, and he hands over his peace to you. That's a good exchange, isn't it? I mean, we must deepen our fellowship. We have fellowship, but it's got to get deeper, isn't it? The intertwining of our lives. The growing of our love. So we don't focus on ourselves, we focus on one another. So we bear one another's burdens, as Paul puts it, and so fulfill the law of love. So we stir up love and good works. And we care and support one another. And we weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And we share our lives with one another. And we want the kingdom to spread. Tell others about Jesus. That's why if you back away from church family life, you will have more and more worries. And more and more preoccupations, and what will those preoccupations do? They'll make you step even further back from church life because I haven't got time for the prayer meeting, I haven't got time for twice on a Sunday, I haven't got time, I've got too many things to think about. But as you come into the warmth and reality of, of church family life, here's the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom of God. God says, I'll throw in everything else. You'll find you do have time, you find those worries are lifted off your shoulders. You find that that preoccupation has now gone back in its box. And it was supernatural. You couldn't trace how it worked. It wasn't a case of if I do this and I do this, that'll be the result. I did this in faith, trusting Him, and that was the result. I don't know how we quite got there, but I know, I know now that I'm not at the mercy of those worries. How did that happen? Because God met with you, filled you with His Spirit. Stood you the right way up. You can stand yourself the right way up. He stood you the right way up. So don't back away because you've got too much on your mind, because you'll have more and more on your mind. And you'll be preoccupied with this world. Come in, come in, come in to the warmth. It'll set you right. Verse 32 For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Nearly as an end. I've got to say this, if you are, this morning, an unbeliever, if you don't know the Lord, then, yeah, you should worry. If you haven't started worrying, you need to start worrying now. Because who's in charge? No one? Someone? Anyone? And where's life heading? And what's beyond the grave? And you're in the grip of powerful, destructive forces, and they'll get you in the end. And says, Jesus, elsewhere, you're a self destructive sinner on your way to hell. So you need to worry. There is no reassurance for you this morning unless, unless, and until you get right with God through Jesus Christ. And then the reassurance is wonderful. And there's a reassurance, he says, if you you come to me, says Jesus, I'll never turn you away. That's a very reassuring word, isn't it? And if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. That's a reassuring word. So you need to come to Jesus Christ. Lord, I've messed up. But you died on that cross to save, to rescue, messed up sinners. Well, that's me, so, so save me. Go to Jesus Christ and you'll find that the cross is the place. Where burdens are lifted. And you'll find a peace that you've never ever known. Peace with God. And a calm that you've never ever experienced. The calm of sins forgiven. And a sense of safety that you've never ever dreamed of. The safety of being saved. So Christian friends, a rule of thumb. I can't sort everything out. Blessed Jesus, seek first the kingdom where everything is sorted out. And finally, point number five. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Have you watched rabbits running in and out of their burrows? In, out, in, out, in, out. And it's very easy to be a rabbit, isn't it? You know, this morning, I'll seek first the kingdom of God. By this evening, oh, I've got the worries of tomorrow on my shoulders. In and out. Says Jesus, no. God will look after tomorrow. Don't load today. (laughs) with the worries of tomorrow. got enough worries, enough things on your mind today. Don't load today with the worries of tomorrow, most of which will never happen anyway. God will look after tomorrow. And with tomorrow's concerns, he will give tomorrow's grace. But you haven't got tomorrow's grace today. So if you start thinking about tomorrow without tomorrow's grace, you'll be eaten up with worries, won't you? So leave tomorrow until tomorrow tomorrow. And Christian friend, if tonight, tomorrow's worries come snapping at your heels, like the rabbit you're in and out of the burrow, then as it says in Philippians, tell father what's bothering you. Don't be anxious. Tell him. Let your requests be made known to God. Be honest. Say, look, this is, this is really on my mind. It's worrying me. It's, I'm fretting over it and I can't get rid of it. So I'm telling you about it trust him. When you pray, that's trust. You know, when you tell people personal things, it's because you trust them, isn't it? So you're telling your heavenly father the things that are really on your heart. Tell him what you want him to do. Trust him with the worry. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As I say, you hand over to him your worries and he'll take the worries out of your hand and into your hand he'll put his peace. And you won't know quite how, you you won't be able to explain the peace because it's a peace that defies explanation. Because those things may not have gone away, but I I feel peace about them now. It's a fair exchange, isn't it? I'll give him my worries, he gives me his peace. Don't start thinking about tomorrow. You'll get tomorrow's grace for tomorrow's concerns. So don't load yourself down today with tomorrow. We close. These text cards, um, when I took the photographs of Snappy Snaps, and uh, the kind gentleman who was helping me, helping me with the, typing the wording on the, uh, on the picture, uh, he typed the words um, incorrectly. Uh, he typed, but first the kingdom of God. He left out the word seek. So, brothers and sisters, don't leave out the word seek. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we find in some ways these things easy to talk about and to reason through. But Lord, in the quietness of our hearts, we confess, Lord, that uh, we are full of fears and anxieties and worries, and we know that because you tell us not to worry. We pray that, Lord, that you would take your word, and by your Spirit, it might be so taken into our hearts into our lives But as jesus said not it by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from your mouth that this word that proceeds from your mouth might so root itself in our hearts and lives that we are a changed people not consumed with the cares and worries and frettings of this world but people who seek first your kingdom oh gracious god By your spirit, we pray, work these things in us. And for your glory, help us to watch our elder brother and to walk with him and to copy him because we ask it all in his name, the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.